Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is Season 6, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! Hello everybody. This is Terry from Texas with Terry's Mysterious Moments. Happy 4th of July because today, the day I'm recording this, is July 4th. And I want to talk about some interesting facts about July 4th on this show. I know it's Terry's mysterious moments, but these are some interesting facts, oddities about July 4th. Independence Day is a federal holiday in the United States commemorating the Declaration of Independence, which was ratified by the Second Continental Congress on July 4th, 1776. Celebrations usually consist of fireworks, both personal and corporate, family reunions, concerts, barbecues, picnics, parades, baseball games, and other forms of merriment. As a child growing up in Texas, fireworks were part of the 4th of July celebration as they were almost any other holiday. But the older I get, the more it feels like I'm living in Fallujah when the fireworks start going off. But that's okay. I don't mind fireworks. Significance of the 4th of July represents a day in 1776 that the Declaration of Independence was adopted by the Continental Congress, though not the day the document was signed in its completeness. This celebration usually lasts for one day, but sometimes it spreads out over a long and usually very hot weekend. I want to talk about the mysterious 4th of July curse. Uh, That's what some people call it. For a mysteriously large number of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence to sign the historic document was to ratify their own ruin. Personal tragedies of all kinds for many of them and their families soon provided the bitter reward for their bravery. The five men from New Jersey who put their names to the Declaration were not immune to this 4th of July curse. William Franklin, Benjamin's illegitimate son and the state's royal governor, described the five men as desperate gamesters 
and they too certainly understood that British victory might well mean their eventual execution as traitors to the king. As it turned out, two of these five New Jerseyans did not live long enough to see the successful end of the American Revolution. Several of their sons also died in the conflict. Both they and their families suffered all manner of other terrible blows. We can die but once, said Abraham Clark of Rahway, as the colonies declared their independence. Let us prepare for the worst. Life is very uncertain. We are now embarked on a most tempestuous sea. A self-educated lawyer and surveyor, Clark believed that the Lord was guiding the revolutionists, but for what purpose, whether to make us a great empire or to make our ruin more complete, only the outcome can determine. Clark had to run for his life soon after signing the declaration, for the British were particularly vengeful with those who had been loyal civil servants of the crown, and Clark was the colonial sheriff of Essex County. Within a very short time, all three of his sons were captured by the Redcoats. One, a teenager, died aboard a British prison ship, the Jersey. A second son was released from the vessel, but also died young. Another signer of the Declaration for the Garden State was John Witherspoon, a Scottish minister who was president of the College of New Jersey, which is now Princeton University. Just a year later, in 1777, one of his sons was killed in the Battle of Germantown. The second was captured and imprisoned. For signing the Declaration, Witherspoon's neighbor, Richard Stockton, was arrested by the British four months later and, quote, dragged in very cold weather to the Perth Amboy Jail, unquote. This head of New Jersey's delegation was so maltreated that both Congress and George Washington lodged protests that won his release in 1777. Back in those days, war, while terrible, was conducted in a gentlemanly manner as weird as that sounds. There were give and takes. If you've ever seen the movie The Patriot, when Mel Gibson's character meets with the uh, English general, they take up a very gentlemanly view. Do you have protest? Do you have grievances? If you do, please outline them and I will respond. That kind of thing. By the time he was released in 1777, however, Stockton's health was shattered by mistreatment and he never fully recovered. Stockton, the wealthy landlord of Morven in Princeton, until last year it was the official residence for New Jersey's governors, was to drink deeper of the bitter cup. Morven was pillaged by the British, its library and art were ruined, its furniture was burned as firewood, and Stockton's wife and six children were forced to flee. With the depreciation of colonial currency, Stockton's fortune evaporated. Finally, he was struck by cancer and was an invalid until he died. Never did he know that the American Revolution was a success. Similarly, John Hart, a Hopewell farmer, 
became a marked man for the British on July 4th of 1776, and they promptly dispatched Hessian mercenaries to punish him for having signed the declaration. Like the Huns from whom they were descended, the invaders ruined his home and 380 acres of crops, livestock, and timber. Hart's wife, Hannah, and their 13 children were obliged to run with him into the nearby Sourland Mountains. In his book, New Jersey's Five Who Signed, John T. Cunningham of Florham Park portrays this old man carrying his gray hairs and infirmities from cottage to cottage and from cave to cave, wearing out his bodily strength and hastening the approach of his death. Still, Hannah died first, probably because of her hardships, Mr. Cunningham wrote. Although these personal disasters crushed poor heart, making him sick in body and despairing in mind, he never repented the course he had taken. Like Stockton, he died without ever knowing that America would triumph in the struggle for independence. And looking beyond New Jersey, how fared those from other states who put their names to our Declaration of Independence? The July 4th curse, if there is such a thing, continued to strike. For example, signing for South Carolina were Arthur Middleton, Thomas Hayward Jr., Edward Rutledge, and Thomas Lynch Jr. The first three were captured by the British and imprisoned. In 1779, young Lynch embarked on a sea voyage with his wife, hoping to improve his health in the balmy climate of southern France. But his ship was never heard from again. No other signer had so short a life and so sad a story, one historian wrote. Button Gwinnett. Now there's a name for you. How would you feel to reward your parents if you realized they named you Button? Anyway, Button Gwinnett of Georgia got into a duel with a British militia officer in 1777. Both were wounded, and Gwinnett died a few days later. Signing for Pennsylvania was James Smith, an affluent manufacturer who early cast his fate with those supporting freedom. He helped to organize thousands of colonial troops, but lost his entire fortune in the war. Thomas Stone, a Maryland signer, was a mild-mannered lawyer known for his retiring disposition and desire to remain quietly in the background of things. However, the times that tried men's souls changed all that. The unrest of the period brought death to both Stone and his wife within a few months of one another. Before the revolution was over, death also claimed Joseph Hughes of North Carolina, although first it claimed his fiance. In response, Hughes threw himself into hard labor as head of the Congressional Marine Committee to create a navy for John Paul Jones. According to one biographer, this unceasing work caused Hughes' death at the height of his usefulness, but not before he had earned the enduring and grateful recognition of the country he served. Francis Lewis of New York was one of the founders of the Sons of Liberty, an organization that early resisted Britain's abuses 
the British burned down his big home on Long Island, rifled his library and other possessions, and forced his family to run for their lives. Captured by the Redcoats, Lewis's wife was kept in filthy barracks for months, refusing to accept freedom on condition that her husband abandoned the colonial cause. By the time she was freed, her house had been ruined and she died not long afterward. Although Lewis had been a comfortably retired merchant, he lost everything in the war and eventually was buried in an unmarked grave in New York City's Trinity Church. Also ruined by the revolution was William Floyd, a New York farmer. The British appropriated his beautiful home for use as a cavalry barracks, seized his property, and drove his entire family into captivity in retaliation for his having put his name on the historic document. John Morton survived only nine months after signing the Declaration of Independence for Pennsylvania. Another Pennsylvanian, Robert Morris, was wealthy and generous enough to be called the financier of the revolution. However, such reverses struck Morris that in 1798 he was arrested for debts and sentenced to prison for more than three years. His life ended amidst disaster, one biographer wrote. Richest of all the signatories was Carter Braxton of Virginia. His ships tried to bring supplies to the colonies from Europe, but were largely captured or sunk. As Braxton's assets shrank, his lands were seized, his slaves were sold, and numerous suits were filed against him. So heavy did his troubles grow that he is said to have died a broken-hearted man. Similarly, Braxton's fellow Virginian, Thomas Nelson Jr., mortgaged his properties to raise $2 million overnight to help finance America's fight. The next day, his three-story brick mansion was occupied by General Cornwallis, the British leader at Yorktown. In trying to drive the British out of the city, Washington's artillerymen were leveling all houses in the area, but out of respect, they did not shoot at Nelson's mansion. So Nelson himself turned the guns on his home riddling it with cannon shots and forcing the British to flee in this decisive battle of the American Revolution. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The truth does indeed seem self-evident. To have signed our Declaration of Independence was to sign an invitation to one's disaster, the 4th of July, 1776, to us, a proud day for Thanksgiving, to them, a terrible day for reckoning. Here's a question that I've always enjoyed. Do they have a 4th of July in England? Of course, the answer is, yes, they do. But they don't celebrate it the way we do.
Many of us celebrate the 4th of July every year with fireworks, barbecues, concerts, parades. Growing up, you may have heard that we celebrate Independence Day on July 4th because that's the day the Founding Fathers signed the Declaration of Independence. But that's not technically true. Although the Declaration was adopted on July 4th of 1776, it wasn't signed by most people until a month later. Some 4th of July history. On July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of declaring independence from Great Britain. The Declaration of Independence was officially adopted two days later, marked by the ringing of the Liberty Bell at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. At the time, John Adams, that shy and retiring man from Massachusetts, believed that July 2nd, not July 4th, would be the date remembered by history. In writing to his wife, Adams wrote, the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. Although our Independence Day celebrations fall on a different date, today's July 4th festivities would look familiar to Adams who called for people to celebrate the day with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Other early July 4th traditions have not carried through to the present day. Some colonists celebrated the day by holding mock funerals for England's King George III as a way of reinforcing America's victory over the British monarchy. The 4th of July was celebrated annually through the 18th and 19th centuries and in 1870, Congress declared the day a federal holiday. But it wasn't until 1941 that date became a paid federal holiday for federal employees. Today, fireworks displays around the country echo Adams' call for bonfires and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. Some other 4th of July facts. As I've said before, the Declaration was not signed on July 4th, 1776. That's actually the day it was formally adopted by the Continental Congress, but it wasn't signed by most signatories until August. Americans typically eat 150 million hot dogs on Independence Day, enough to stretch from D.C. to L.A. more than five times, according to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. And of course, that has something to do with hot dog eating contests, I'm sure. Three presidents have died on July 4th, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and James Monroe. Again, as I've said before, John Adams believed that American independence should be celebrated on July 2nd, as that's the actual day the Continental Congress voted for independence. Annoyed that Independence Day wasn't celebrated on July 2nd, Adams reportedly turned down invitations to July 4th celebrations throughout his life. 
Massachusetts became the first state to make the 4th of July an official state holiday in 1781. President Zachary Taylor died in 1850 after eating spoiled fruit at a July 4th celebration. The famed Macy's Fireworks Show in New York uses more than 75,000 fireworks shells and costs about $6 million. Here we go. Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest is held annually on July 4th. In 2018, champion Joey Chestnut ate 74 hot dogs with buns in just 10 minutes. Independence Day became a federal holiday in 1870, as I mentioned before. As of 2016, July 4th was the number one holiday for beer sales in the U.S. Well, that's kind of a left-handed compliment, according to the National Beer Wholesalers Association. In 1778, George Washington, bless his pointed little head, gave his soldiers a double ration of rum to celebrate the July 4th holiday. Here's an interesting tidbit. Every July 4th, descendants of the signers of the Declaration of Independence tapped the Liberty Bell 13 times in honor of the original 13 colonies. Being one of the more unique parts of the country, eating salmon is a July 4th tradition in parts of New England. Small towns in the U.S. typically spend between eight and $15,000 on their fireworks displays. President Calvin Coolidge was born on July 4, 1872. About 16,000 July 4th fireworks displays happen around the country each year, according to the American Pyrotechnic Association. With many fireworks shows canceled in 2020 due to COVID-19, the American Pyrotechnics Association is asking for financial help from Congress to keep family-run fireworks businesses afloat. So they want money just to watch it go up in smoke. Starting in 1818, new stars and stripes were added to the American flag each July 4th to mark the creation of new states. The U.S. Flag Code offers guidelines for flying the flag on July 4th in every day. They also offer instructions on how the flag is not to be used, such as clothing. John Hancock has the largest signature on the Declaration of Independence, not necessarily because he used it as an up yours to King George, but because he was the President of the Continental Congress. The first July 4th celebration took place at the White House in 1801 and was hosted by Thomas Jefferson. One World Trade Center in New York is 1,776 feet tall to mark the year the U.S. declared its independence from Britain. There's a, a story that goes with the 4th of July in when John Adams and 
Thomas Jefferson were both old men getting ready to die, lying in their deathbeds. John Adams is reported to have said, Thomas Jefferson still lives before he died. What he didn't know was that Jefferson had expired a few hours earlier. The 4th of July supposedly was not celebrated in Vicksburg, Mississippi for something like 80 years. Uh, I don't think that's right. I think that's an urban legend because July 4th is a day that Vicksburg was surrendered to the Union after several months of siege. Interesting note about that. My great-great-grandfather Legron was in Vicksburg as part of Wall's Texas Legion, a Confederate unit, and they repulsed the Union attack several times. He survived the war because the Union could not take care of prisoners at the time, so paroled the troops and they went back to Texas under the order that they not come back to fight. Well, they must have had their fingers crossed because they got back to Texas, they rehorsed, they rearmed, and they re-entered the fight. So there you have some interesting facts about the 4th of July. It's a, it's a great holiday, but it's also a deadly holiday on highways. It's an injurious holiday when people misuse fireworks, mishandle fireworks. It's doubly injurious when people overeat on the holidays and, and triply injurious when they drink too much on the holidays. So this is Terry from Texas. Again, happy 4th of July, everybody. Have a great week. See you next time.